It's time for the movie array, and tonight's victim is actor Michael Berryman that played in countless films such as the original Hills Have Eyes, countless others. Hello. Hello there. So what's going on with you before this upcoming ritual of Halloween? Well, before Halloween, I'm trying to sell my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, that is actually true, but uh, what's going on? I'm going to be in Burbank, California in, uh, this coming weekend for the Monster Palooza show. It's a signing show. A movie lined up in November. I'm waiting for finalization on that. But I did wrap a movie with a bunch of my buddies, Bill Mosley and Kane Hodder and a couple other rebellious uh, kind of guys called, movies called Death House. It was actually uh, originally written by Gunnar Hansen, who passed away uh, recently, about the same time Wes Craven did. And I am one of the five evils in the... Just to sum that up, that's basically like the Expendables with all these horror icons, isn't it? That's what they're calling it. Yes, they are calling it that. Yes, they are. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Yeah, it should be fun. Now, for someone that's that's played in uh, so many horror-based characters, what would you consider to portray your art toward the audiences? How would you consider that, or how would you portray that to show the audiences that has never seen you before? Um, you mean uh, as a performance, as as a role that is in a horror film? Yes. My my personal my personal thoughts on horror that we can turn on the television and see horror twenty four seven. Even back in the days when there was only six channels and it was in black and white. And the images that I saw as a child and that people have seen throughout their life over many decades, it's very damaging to the human psyche. And I believe that humanity can rise above and out of and through such carnage and horrible voices and behaviors and the only way to do that is to get all that crap out of your head, your heart out of your spirit, out of, out of your experience. And, and I believe that uh, horror films can do that. I'm not talking about splatter films. I'm talking about horror films. Yeah, and to the, this then age, uh, it's considered to be you know so grotesque, so so wrong for children and so forth. But yet, it's like the opposite. Some people try to get away from reality, but even though we live all the way around uh, this type of horror every day on a daily basis. Very true. That's very true. I was on the last Morton Downey Jr. show, and I believe Elvira was with me, and there's a couple other people on the panel. And the uh, topic of discussion was, should actors that portray roles in horror films be arrested and, and uh, prosecuted if people see those films and do copycats? That was a pretty interesting point of conversation. Well, look at Scream. Remember when they were making masks since that came out? <laughs> of course, of course. The response to that is apparent. There are certain realms of, quote, entertainment that go beyond the pale. I just think they're grotesque and disgusting. The reason I continue, I've done what I've done for over 40 years, and I've done films from comedy to science fiction, the whole gambit, but we're talking about horror films. Well, I, re I remember the scary uh, the classics. Uh, I used to watch Chiller Theater uh, Thriller. Uh, I got to meet Rod Serling, Twilight Zone creator. I remember watching Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, etc. There becomes a situation where you have empathy to the monster. And what that empathy is, is the question of where do you draw the line in your choices and your values? And over uh, many decades, uh, uh, other films came about that were just more, you know, shocking and scaring. Well, I'll be very honest. When I saw The Exorcist, I actually, just in case, got on my knees and said my prayers, even though I had left Catholicism years ago for various reasons, just in case. I remember being uh, as a kid watching uh, The Mummy or something. I would always look under the bed before I, you know, 
carney's sake i consider it spider porn you know i'm not a big fan now don't get me wrong uh, there are scenes in movies where heads explode and you know certain things but but when it becomes just more and more and more of how gross can we make it you lose something it's called a story i like this is the art of storytelling yeah which brings to the point that uh when it comes to these new age horror films uh from let's say from the 2000s all the way up to now do you think they mainly adapted opposed to the old older horror films way back when they even started uh, or do you think they've actually evolved a little bit better well there's a there's a huge range some of the ones that get distributed by larger distribution companies are in for the buck it, it depends i mean there's a lot out there i i go to a, about six to eight independent small film festivals every year and i encourage your listeners to do the same you, because number one you'll never see them on a dvd uh, maybe at, at a film festival you hardly ever see them on uh, Amazon or in the theater or on cable. But some of them are, I mean, are people starting out, of course. They're incredibly, incredible. When I'm doing a signing at a film festival, I'm kind of bummed out slightly because, well, I'm there for the fans and to be there for them. But I would like to have about three of me so I could see them all. And it would be wonderful, I, I felt, and, I, and I've mentioned this to people that put on these shows, that if you could take all of those independent shorts and put them on, on a collector, on a disc, so we could all see them, it would be fantastic, but there's, there's way too much uh, litigation and contracts and protection, etc., to uh, facilitate such. So I strongly, strongly recommend, it. in your travels or in your local zip code, there's a film festival, check it out. I mean, especially the shorts. Put something together in an eight to twelve minute format, and and it's very challenging. It's very very rewarding. I think it's very artistic. I'm a big 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 fan. It's just like um, well, number one, I believe artists and writers and creators should be able to profit from their efforts and not be ripped off. Number one, and number two, I encourage people to tell their own stories, and uh, uh, and you should, even if it's local. If you don't get distribution or in Austria, it's okay because it's something humans have done forever. I mean, go back to when somebody started a fire and there's other humans around the fire, they're sharing food, and what else do they do? They share stories. What happened today? Well, I was going to go, you know, bring home what we're eating now and this other critter, bigger and more dangerous, almost killed me, so I'm going to tell you a story. Here you go. As we go more and more throughout the years and all the more and more slew of horror films, slew of remakes of the horror films, reboots, and so forth... Uh, <laughs> It seems like the support from other realms within the film industry is dwindling down because it's, of course, the money, the, the whole whole thing. But you think, are we losing support from the audience too? No, no. I, I, I believe that the uh, the artists are, we're always, well, we have something now called GoFundMe. There are people, artists want their art out there. They want to express themselves. And they want to share it. Now, the the ability to do that, is, a lot of it is controlled by the industry. If you're investing in a film and you don't really care about the story or the characters or what happens, like here's an example of a bad horror film. Uh, I'll name the name. The Hills Have Eyes remake. I'm sorry, the beginning was kind of intriguing, and it turned into uh, chase, kill, and isn't this a clever way to dispatch of somebody? Now, when I see that type of, of, of storyline, I go... Wow, they had a production meeting and a bunch of a uh, bunch of investors came together. They don't know anything about art or the art of storytelling or film, and they just go, "Well, and and in these in these five movies, for instance, uh, we checked their their revenues, and they all made money, 
and here's the things that made, that shocked and rocked people. Let's put those elements in our movie. So they kind of uh, cut and paste together a story and it has no cohesiveness at all. If you're going to do that, be honest. Do Sharknado. It's honest. It's fun. It's campy. It's silly. But it's honest, you know? I thought that after the, the uh, in the Hills Have Eyes remake, uh, the opening I thought was very intriguing. It really kept my interest. The atomic test site, etc. Pretty darn cool. I'm sorry, but when the um, weekend warriors were coming out of the tunnel and the cave, there was that metal thing with the spikies. Uh, you could see it was CGI'd, and it, it just turned into Chase Kill and got really stupid. I, I actually walked out of the screen and said, "This is just ridiculous." And and then you know when you have way too much blood and splatter and uh, if you're going to do that then do it campy you know do it with some humor like uh, uh, I don't want to say freak show uh, there's some uh, there's a better example help me out uh, Evil Dead <laughs> Evil Dead thank you and by the way in Evil Dead there's a Hills Have Eyes poster of, uh, with me Pluto in the cabin on the wall and when we did the Hills Have Eyes original in the trailer what did we have a picture of after I supposedly tried to rape uh Jaws. Those are directors getting their start and paying homage to one another. That's the realm you want to be in. But if you're just trying to shock and, what, your audience is 13-year-old pubescent adolescents, you know, that's kind of a limited audience. And audiences are not dumb. I, I actually, years ago when I was at Vengeance, I would say, anybody that shows me a library card gets a free autograph picture. Well, hell, I lost like $300 in an hour. I said, well, I stopped saying that. <laughs> I've met people at hotels that didn't know what was going on. I go, well, check it out. I go, oh, this gory and icky and oh, scary. I go, no, these are intelligent people that have families. They put their kids through school. They're actually, you know, paying their mortgage and making sure they have health insurance. Are you kidding me? These are regular people. If you want to be around a bunch of jerks, go to a, a sports celebrity show. You'll see nothing. You'll see a lot of good, good people, men and women, doing great things. But the majority of them are just ego frenzied, adore me kind of people. And you know, um, celebrity status doesn't mean a damn thing to me. Met some famous, 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 famous people. Uh, when I was doing the Crow, uh, I was having a wardrobe fitting, and I and I sat for an hour and had a lovely conversation with Paul Newman. I got involved with his charities, especially the Bogey Creek Hole in the Wall game, General Schwarzkopf and Arnold Palmer and Paul Newman. They find families of children in need who have horrific birth defects of their above the neck, their face, their skull, and they give them the, the correct surgery they need, and they pay for it all. You see, that is a good reason to be famous. But if you're a Kardashian, or uh, I can name a whole bunch of names, and bling this and bling that, lifestyles of the rich and famous, who gives a damn? I don't. I judge a man or woman by the character uh, of their choices and decisions. I mean, I see advertisements for the Jaguars, nice cars, all these nice, wonderful, fancy cars, $60,000, $100,000. Who cares? You can only do legally 70 miles an hour. It's ego. It's called salesmanship. And when you, when you put them in other films... It becomes senseless because, okay, well, yeah, this person is a good actor and and all these other films, but it's not really necessary to put him in every single film that may not cater to the role that he plays or he or she plays. That's very true, and I I, I, I know everyone in the in my family of horror stars, for instance, and sometimes we actually take a shitty role because we have bills to pay. We're real people. <laughs> Imagine that. 
you know, but, um, you know, golly gee whiz. And some people uh, refuse, or not really refuse, but some people kind of stay away from the big companies because it seems the the further you go through these big companies, the worse, worse things you're going to get into, especially if you're just now getting to these companies. It seems that they they take advantage of them and uh, just throw them wherever, and you basically didn't prepare or actually even look into it. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, th- that's the key, uh, looking into it. Number one, you have a script. Okay, here's a perfect example. Uh, a movie, I don't remember the title of it. I don't know if it ever got distributed. It was in Wisconsin, and um, Cabin in the Woods kind of thing, and the kids are there, and bad things happen, and then some people die, and then the remaining people become, they deal with it, and they, they kill the bad guy. Okay, it's pretty standard stuff. Well, I get this script, and I read it, and I'm the bad guy, and I'm supposed to be doing something very, very, very wrong to the young lady. And they did, and then they wanted me to say a few words, and the implications were like, really? We're not doing that. I said, now we can do it in a certain manner that is after the fact that implies particular action or violence, but we're not going to go graphic. And then that way, um, when I step out of the way, there's the young lady, and she can re- have the camera on her and the close-up, and she can act. You want to see the uh, the act? No. So we had a discussion, and we said, well, yeah, that's a better way to go, Michael. So I said, by the way, I'm recording all of this. I have your permission, right? And they go, yeah, sure. All right, great. And agreement, I flew out to Wisconsin. I arrived. They asked me if I wanted to go visit the set. And I said, of course. I'm like, uh, you know, you guys are working nights. This is my travel day. I want to rest up tonight. And tomorrow we start working. Of course, I'd love to, you know, say hi to everybody. And uh, and we, since we've changed a few scenes to make them better. And I show up. And then the director and producer go, okay, well, we're going to shoot that scene tonight. I go, really? And I go, could you clear everybody out of the room, please? And just me, uh, you, the producer, and the writer, and you, the director, and the actress, please. There's a room, we're all sitting there having a meeting, and I go, all right, here, here's what's going to happen. Number one, here, here's my Screen Actors Guild contract. This is my travel day. I'm here just as a courtesy to say hello to everybody, let's let, let's make a good shoot. Number two, we're not going to do it the way you want to do it the original way, because here's my tape recorder. I'm pushing play. Now, the actress hears all of this and realizes that she's being used. She's being taken advantage of. Once they wrap and they're done, it's in the can, honey. They don't care about you anymore. They already got you. And she was flipping out. And she's like, whoa. And they go, well, you're being, you're being difficult. I said, no, I'm not. I'm being honest to my word and yours, by the way. And I could make a phone call right now and have you shut down. What would you like to do? Well, you know, we're going to fly you home tomorrow. This is great. And you're in breach of contract, and I expect a full check. Payment in full, as per my contract, before I get on the plane tomorrow morning. Have a nice day. Now, all of that happened. I get home about two weeks later. One of the uh, one of the uh, camera operators called me up and said, "Hey, uh, I want to let you know that we wrapped." I go, "How'd it go?" And he goes, "Well, they 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 got somebody to replace you. They took her out, wined her and dined her, and promised her the moon, and she complied. And they did it the old horrible way." I says, "Well, how does that make you feel?" <laughs> I didn't say that, but and then what happened? He goes. Oh, um, they got what they wanted, and they—they, they, uh, I don't know if they stiffed her, didn't pay her, or whatever. But my point is, if you don't draw a line, someone will, someone else will draw it for you. The best scary stuff is that which is unknown and implied. Like Hitchcock, a good movie—you don't see the monster until the very end. It's all about tension. No, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, I see stuff on the internet, and I don't tweet. Homie, don't tweet. <laughs> People can't even spell words right. I talk to teachers all the time. I do a lot of programs for schools, and they go, K 
kids don't even have pen and paper. It's all on a uh, on a device. They don't even know what a dictionary is. They do word check. That's pretty freaking sad. Yeah, it is. College, first thing I'd take was library science. I'd go to a library, go to the stacks, and look, know what a research library is. Reader's Guide to Periodical Literature, stuff like that. But I meet some of the most intelligent, educated people. A lot of them are teachers that go to horror conventions. It's a good thing. It's, it's, it is a sad thing with everything that, that we've so much evolved with all this other stuff and uh, to the point where students of film a little bit get in a way with what they were trying to focus in the first place focus is off and on you know in terms of a, it's almost a battle and it shouldn't be a battle of focus and it should be something that you need to enlighten it's true well it's like you know there's the rock there's the music industry rock and roll i like folk music a lot of a lot of the a lot of the great bands from the 60s i saw almost all of them it's incredible and, and the, the the biggest key was good songwriting, good lyrics, good notes, good harmonies, good excellent proficiency with your instruments, that kind of stuff. And then after in the eighties, oh well, let's let's blame it on disco. <laughs> I would love to blame it on disco. <laughs> disco, I feel, was the, the beginning of the downfall of art. And I had a friend whose father was a very famous TV actor. And there was, when disco was happening, there was a place in Westwood Village. Uh, near UCLA, and it was called Dillon's. It was the hot spot for disco. And I went to my buddies uh, up to the booth. He was uh, the rocket man. He was going to college, to UCLA, and he put on a helmet and a jetpack, and sparklers would come out of the back, and he would, they would uh, cable him from one part of the ceiling to his booth, and all the rich, uh, you know, college, UCLA, USC, etc. go, hey, look at that stupid so-and-so. Oh, yeah, you know what? He was... He, he was paying his way through college. And I go, wow, they make fun of you. What do you think about that? And he goes, no problem. You wait. They're drinking and doing other things as the, the night progresses before 2 a.m. and they have to leave. Watch. I'll phase the disco beat, which is the same beat nonstop that, that, that never stops. And he would phase it faster and slower and control them. They didn't even know it. So where's the irony? I'd say the irony is not knowing who you are. The irony is not knowing how you can become your own individual person and make your own choices. And put that in the many, many, many realms of where we are today as a society. We are, we have, uh, there's a very famous, uh, to the listeners, I highly, highly recommend, the most important book I ever read in college was uh, from an art professor. It's called Understanding Media. The author is Marshall McLuhan, Canadian, a futurist thinker, philosopher, writer. Read it. As an example, in the book, it talks about what it was like back in the day when people used to write books. Pen and ink on parchment. Only the wealthy could have a book. Everybody else was uneducated. A guy by the name of Gutenberg made the printing press. It was huge. It was like the internet, but even more so. Now the peasants and those that are controlled can have knowledge. Before there was written word, there was spoken word stories and songs they were called folk songs so when we detach ourselves from our traditions and we despise that which has come before us it puts us i believe in jeopardy as a society and honestly when i got to meet rod serling one night we talked for about 45 minutes about these types of comments and why his writing stands so strong today i know people that can't stand star trek well you know what <laughs> A lot of good stories there. You know, go back to the writing. It all starts with an idea. So I, I recommend Blake Sheldon, Save the Cat. I'll learn how to write. You know, don't believe everything on the internet. And if you 
have to tweet, stop it. <laughs> if you have that limited of vocabulary, maybe you're being controlled. Maybe you're being manipulated. Maybe you're being trained and conditioned to be not a very deep thinker. Maybe, just maybe, you're a lab experiment. Shock the monkey. That is actor Michael Berryman. You have anything else to say? Anything when you plug in? Any websites? Any new projects you want to get out there? And go ahead and mention uh, where you're heading in a couple weeks or months. You betcha. I'm, I'm writing my autobiography. I hope to have it done by Christmas. I am going to be at Monster Palooza September 16th through the 18th in Burbank, California. After that, I will be in October 13th to the 15th at the Idaho Horror Film Festival. And my very dear friend Andrew Getty. Ten years ago, we made a movie called Storyteller. Starring myself, Sean Patrick Flannery, Dina Myers, and Fred Kohler. The only film my dear friend made before he passed away. Brilliant. Uh, Death House, director friend Harrison. It's written um, by, uh, originally concept by uh, Gunnar Hansen. And of course, in May, I'll be at the Texas Frightmare, May 5th through 7th, the state of Texas. That's about it. Please uh, go to my Facebook page and uh, please call your congressman or email him or tweet them because it's hard to make phone calls anymore about the uh, uh, native lands in the Dakotas where they're running that pipeline. There, There is an injunction at this point, but please uh, check it out. Make a difference. So I wish you all the best. Tomorrow's the next best day of your life. Make a difference and be kind to one another.